Hey, dear saints, you're listening to Preaching Christ Crucified on Double-Edged Sword. Sermons from Pastor Kilgo, preached at Redeemer Lutheran Church in Lawrence, Kansas. We pray that as you hear God's word, you would be strengthened in faith and love and rejoice in the joy of the Lord's promises and kindness. In the name of Jesus, amen. Dear saints, alleluia, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed, alleluia. And more than that, he is also ascended. There's two questions that we need to ponder. One is, where does the ministry of Jesus end? And the second is, are we alone? The second one is probably the easier and more obvious one to answer. Are we alone? No, not quite literally, we're not alone. We're here together. But also, Jesus has not left us alone. He's promised not to do so, in fact. The first question is a little bit harder to answer, maybe a little bit less obvious. Where does the ministry of Jesus end? But the answer to this is found right at the beginning of the text from Acts, where Luke writes, In the first book, O Theophilus, I have written to you about all the things that Jesus began to do and preach. That Jesus' work for his church and in his church begins at his incarnation, but it doesn't end with his ascension or his resurrection. In fact, it, it keeps going. Both of these, in fact, are bound up, the answers to these, are bound up to the ascension of our Lord Jesus Christ. The reason why we celebrate this day is that we are not alone and that Jesus' ministry still continues even to this day. Now, there are, there are two, then, temptations that the devil has for us with these questions. One, that Jesus' ministry ends, at least with his ascension, if not with his resurrection, that one, once Jesus is raised, then everything's done, and that's why, in fact, he ascends. And then the other is that when Jesus ascends, he leaves you alone. He says, bye, I'll see you later. I'm going to go golfing for a while. I'll come back, and you guys take it from here. The the idea behind both of these, then, is just as the correct answers to these questions are bound up to Jesus' ascension, so also not understanding rightly the ascension, what's going on there, lead us to a wrong answer with these, and particularly that everything is left up to us. Everything in the church becomes left up to Christians, and this is a lie of the devil. And it's a lie that, that leads us to a, a few particular fruits of, those, of that lie. The first thing is that it, the first fruit of this is that it leads us to look away from Christ and to ourselves. We no longer rely on Christ being the cornerstone of the church, Christ being the firm foundation, Christ being the one who's always working and and supporting and sustaining his church, but rather it's us now. It was Christ when he was walking around with the apostles. Now it's up to us, and we need to figure things out. So we stop looking at Jesus, and we start looking at ourselves. Connected to that, we look away from the Word of God as the sole source and norm of all doctrine and practice in the church, and we look instead to the words of the world. We look for uh, if it's up to us, then we need to look to the the smart and creative and inventive sort of people that are running around in the world. Uh, this the more recent 
example of this in the church's life was the church growth uh, stuff that came about uh, in the uh, in the 70s, especially uh, that actually originated from a guy named C. Peter Wagner, who is a failed business consultant. Uh, and he took this kind of business mentality, this this worldly business idea, and then uh, peddled it off to the church. He just switched the language around to make it sound churchy. This is an example of leaning on the wisdom of the world instead of the wisdom of the Lord's word that tells us what we need to be doing, what the Lord will use to sustain his flock, and what everything's going to look like. And then the the last one that ultimately the first two will finally lead us to, the, the ultimate fruit of this, is despair. Because what it causes us to do is it causes us to look around. We look at ourselves and we look at the world and we look at everything around us and we buy into this lie a bit of the devil that, look, look around you. Jesus isn't, Jesus obviously is not here. If Jesus were here, then fill in the blank, like whatever it is that we want to be tempted with with that. This is the despair that falls on the Lord's church when we don't understand or don't remember what exactly it is the Lord is doing with his ascension and the great gift that this really is to the church and why. This isn't in the in the Acts text, but right after this reading, if you keep reading, this is where the disciples, having heard the angels preaching, that he'll come back to you in the same way that he left, that they left that area with joy. They returned to Jerusalem with joy, having just watched Jesus ascend. These guys know better than anybody else what it means for Jesus to ascend and quote-unquote leave, but they very clearly also understand what exactly that means for the church. They remember the preaching that, in fact, we've been hearing this whole time from John 16, where Jesus is preparing us for this moment that so we would know what he's going to do, what we are going to receive in this. It is, in fact, because Christ ascends that he therefore gives us all of the gifts that fight against the devil's scheming and our own despair. It is the ascension that does that. It's not his death. It's not his birth. It's not his resurrection. It is the ascension of Jesus that gives us these gifts. First, we need to remember what Jesus promises to us. He promises that he will never leave us or forsake us. He promises that I will not leave you as orphans. He promises, behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. That's, that's his promise in Matthew right before he ascends. Like the very last words that he says to the church before he ascends is, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. These are not lies. Or when he says that our lives are hid with him, these are not uh fairy tales. These aren't just nice platitudes by Jesus. This is a reality that he's preaching to us. And that reality doesn't end or go away when he ascends. That would be very odd since, again, he said that right before he ascends, one of those lines. Instead, we don't see Jesus, but he is, in fact, still here, according to his promise. All that happens when Jesus ascends, as far as like a visual deal, all that happens is that we simply don't see Jesus with our eyes anymore. We are instead given to see Jesus with our ears. That we walk not by sight, but by faith. This is what, what encapsulates all this. We know that Jesus is here from the scriptures, not only in those promises, but also when it talks about Jesus' return on the last day, one of the, the verbs that we'll use for this, we've talked about this recently, is that he will be unveiled. Uh, this is the, uh, the, the term that gets used at the beginning of the book of Revelation, the, the revelation of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, 
the unveiling of Jesus Christ. Or uh, when, when Christ returns, uh, he will be uh, unveiled and we will see him as he is. Uh, there's a bunch of texts that are like this that use that verb. That is, Jesus is here. In fact, he is here right now at this very moment. We just don't see him yet. What the prom- one of the promises of the resurrection is that that veil gets pulled back. And now we finally see him face to face. In the meantime, he gives us to see him with our ears and to see him with our ears through a variety of things in the word, in the preaching, the absolution, baptism, and the Lord's Supper, those things especially. And through these things, Jesus is then working via his ascension in order to continue his ministry. He is still here in these things, and he is still working, still ministering to us in these things. The second thing is that we have all these things then that our Lord Jesus attaches to his ascension for us. All of these doctrines, and some of which are in fact the most important doctrines that we have in the church. So we have, for example, as we had this this, uh, last week, the doctrine of prayer, that Jesus gives us the gift of prayer to call upon the Father directly. That is a gift given to us through the ascension. We have the Lord's Supper, the fact that we can come and receive Christ's body and blood at this altar at any moment, and that you can go to any altar in the world at any moment, and that you can go to all of them at the same time. You can have Christians gathered. I mean, there are Christians gathered at this moment throughout the entirety of the world, or on this day throughout the entirety of the world, receiving Christ's very body and blood for the forgiveness of their sins with us in that mystical communion of Christ's body. And the reason that that we can do that and know for certain that that's what we're receiving is because Christ has ascended to fill all things with himself, as he's promised. We would not have the Holy Spirit if Christ were not ascended. This has been the promise going out throughout all of John 16. It is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. Uh, If Jesus doesn't ascend to go to the right hand of the Father, then we don't have Jesus at the right hand of the Father interceding for us and advocating on our behalf and praying for us. We don't have that. We don't have Jesus sitting on the heavenly throne, ruling and governing all things, even though it doesn't always look like that's what he's doing. That is, in fact, what he's doing. And if he weren't, things would be significantly worse than they actually are right now. And we would not have the gifts of Easter and Good Friday. Easter and Good Friday would not mean anything for us 2,000 years later across an ocean and halfway across a continent unless Jesus were ascended. We have this this important note in 1 Corinthians 15 that if Christ is not raised from the dead, then we're of all people most to be pitied. If Christ is not raised from the dead, then we are still in our sins. But in fact, Christ is raised from the dead. You get that, that wonderful statement there. We should have a similar thing in our minds for the ascension. If Christ is not ascended, then we do not have prayer, and we do not have the Holy Spirit, and we do not have the Lord's Supper, and we do not have the intercession of Christ, and we do not have the gifts of Good Friday and Easter, and all these other things that the Lord has bound up to his ascension. If Christ is not ascended, we do not have those. But in fact, Christ is ascended, and that is, it should be for us, a great joy. Because it is in that event that the Lord continues his work of ministry, the story of the New Testament church is the story of the ascension of Jesus, where we gather around this reality, the reality of the died and risen and ascended Jesus, who is coming back for us, 
gathering around all this work that he's doing for us, sustaining us, keeping us in the one true faith, and guiding us to that blessed reality in the resurrection. This is the reality we stand in, and this is the reality we, like the disciples when they leave the Ascension Mount, that we rejoice in from this time forth forevermore until the Lord returns in his glory. In the name of Jesus, amen. Alleluia, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Thanks for listening to Preaching Christ Crucified on Double-Edged Sword, sermons by Pastor Kilgo at Redeemer Lutheran Church in Lawrence, Kansas. We'd like to invite you to join us for church, Sundays at 10 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. We also have Bible study at 9 a.m. on Sunday mornings and at other times throughout the week. Please visit our website at redeemer-lawrence.org for more information. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you next time.